0: Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. It's an X's and O's update on 1460
1: KXNO. I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa Hawkeyes bounce back after losing at Purdue. Home victory over 24th ranked Nebraska. Jordan Bohannon, a big game.
0: Copeward oh, at the balance, just as you predicted. You can't get the shot, but it's a good look. Yep, absolutely. That place is wide open. Bohannon, wide open from deep.
1: The call from BTN. NFL football yesterday. The Chargers winners over the Ravens 23-17. The Bears with a field goal to win it. The call from NBC.
2: 43-yard
3: attack from the right half. And, oh, he hits the upright again.
1: That's impossible. And tonight it's the national championship. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Clemson.
3: KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone.
0: This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
3: Two. It's Miller and Condon. We take you up until noon. Busy hour. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic momentarily. Inside the numbers, Jason Simbel will go to the desert CG Technology, get the latest on the championship game. Did Vegas win or lose on wild card weekend? And a look ahead to the divisionals. Then Bamabad, Trent, and I will go around. Well, not around. We will uh, take a long look at the national championship game. He's Scott Dockerman, he too is a Bears fan.
1: <laughs> he's not over it.
3: I bet he's not. No. So Dylan's kind of over it. You're good. Not so much with Doc, huh? Scott, how are you? Our condolences. How are you?
4: Oh, it's it's miserable, man. I'm. Uh, this is tough to accept. I've been a lifelong Bears fan, so I was kind of amped for the first playoff game in eight years. And to see that ball just hang there was... Uh, it's tough to overcome
3: that. You know, as I was watching the game yesterday, and I thought the Bears would win. I thought the Bears would win convincingly. You know, very early in that football game, it became very apparent that, you know what, this is not going to be easy for this Chicago Bears team. I don't know what it is about Nick Foles. I really and truly don't. And I don't know what it is about the Eagles that are so quick to, uh, time after time, say, this is Carson Wentz's team. Man, Nick Foles in playoffs, it's a deadly combination. It really is, Doc.
4: You know, if he goes to New Orleans and win, they they're gonna have to have some sort of a, a real conversation yeah. at that, that uh organization because I mean they what got what, beat like forty eight to seven mm-hmm. in the first crushed, game. And, yep. Uh, yeah, and uh the way he's performed, I mean he you know, who who knows? They may not have won the Super Bowl last year if he was if it was Carson Wentz. And they may have uh, you know, this year, who knows if they even would have made the playoffs if Carson Wentz was there. Now I think Carson Wentz has a terrific upside and he's going to be a great quarterback certainly that way before his ACL but but you can't discount what's, what Nick Foles is doing and, and he's had some pretty good years in the past so uh, he's going to be a hot commodity on the market if, if they don't lock him up in Philadelphia and give him the job.
1: Well let's move away from uh, the bad news of Bears football and get into some bad news for Hawkeye fans and their team as Amari Hooker over the weekend uh, says he's off to the NFL different than Of course, what we had with Noah Fan, where he's projected to be a first, second rounder at the very least. Hooker, on the other hand, much more difficult to get a read where he sits, where he fits in at the NFL level. What are your thoughts on Hooker moving, and certainly a big guy to replace as they move what they did schematically with him this season?
4: Yeah, he's going to be a very difficult guy to replace. I mean, you know, and they've had to replace some really good ones over the years. But, you know, the difference is that, you know, even – You know, Desmond King might have been the most difficult, but even so, Desmond played largely one position. He was a cornerback. Josh Jackson was a cornerback. You're talking about you know, a Hooker who plays, you know, multiple positions Mm -hmm. and really within the same play. uh, you know, he's he's an outside linebacker, but he's also a nickel back. He also covers the spot. He could cover anybody on the field. So um, you know he's just kind of an integral player, and I think the statistic that shows up the most is that when he was in, uh, uh, you know, when he was just playing strong safety, Iowa only had two interceptions in the first four games. Since he moved over and Geno Stone took the field, you know they had 18 more to finish second in the country. So he's going to be a very difficult guy to replace. As far as the next level goes, I think he's one of those guys that it's going to really. It depends on who falls in love with him. Mm-hmm. You know, some defenses may not want him. Maybe they don't fit his their scheme. Other defenses will look at him and go, Wow, this guy's exactly what we need, you know, a guy who could play, you know, multiple positions on each and every down. So, um, you know, his value is gonna vary from team to team, but I think he's probably a top you know, if not a you know, he might end up in the third round with somebody and I think he's a starter and a long-time starter in the NFL.
3: Uh, I'm with you, Doc. I'm going to be anxious to see where he ends up and, and when he goes. And we've still got two decisions that we're waiting on. Uh, Hawkinson, of course, Anthony Nelson. Uh, the deadline is one week from today. Well, uh, what, what, what do you anticipate? Will we know sooner rather than later on the other two? Who is really losing sleep of the two remaining as far as their decision? I have to think it's Anthony Nelson, although – because uh, you see Hawkinson, I think the Athletic, who you write for, the uh, mock at the Athletic I saw, has him going 32nd uh, overall in the first round um, as far as Hawkinson I'm referring to. So when will we learn, and, and whose decision at this point is the more difficult?
4: I think, I think it's difficult for both of them from a personal level. I mean, you know, if the roles were reversed, you know, in, in age, I mean, they're both juniors, but, you know, Hawkins well, I mean, you know, he's a junior in the classroom, he's a sophomore on the field, then I think it would be an easy decision both ways. But, you know, Hockett's still a young player, a young person, really enjoys his life at Iowa and still getting kind of into that. He's a small-town southern Iowa kid that, you know, hey, this is the time of his life at college usually is. So I think that's making it very difficult for him. I've kind of heard that it was. it's kind of a heart-versus-head decision for him. And, and as easy as it looks on – paper to go to the NFL, you're a first-round pick, and all of that, you know, he's still got to kind of justify it to himself that, you know, that he knows that it's going to be a business from here on out, and it's not going to be quite as much, maybe, fun in the personal life, and then, you know, Anthony Nelson has kind of a different, you know, serious situation, and that is, you know, he's a fourth-year junior, um, you know, academically he's in the perfect position, uh, he's a, you know, really smart guy. And uh, but you know he's position specific. I mean he's not really a three four uh, defensive end or outside linebacker. He's more of a four three guy. And this this uh, draft has so many great defensive linemen that he might get pushed down, even though his talent might suggest that he's good enough to compete for a starting job. So um, I think they're both ways you know they're both uh, kind of you know in, in you know in that decision making process that uh, you know, Amani Hooker was the first one to step up. It could happen any time. I mean, we saw that today with David Montgomery. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if in five minutes we find out one of them declares. Or, uh, but I, I really don't know that they would want to take it all the way to the limit, um, you know, because I, I think they want to be fair to the team as well. And because this is still kind of a recruiting time of year that they really need a chance to, to replace them if, if they have an opportunity to do so.
1: Scott Dockerman joining us from the Athletic. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Doc, uh, over to basketball. Yesterday, a much-needed victory. It was January six, but as close to a must-win as you're going to have on January 6th in your mind? Well put. Well,
4: yeah, I kind of think so. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, going over for three right off the bat, in the Big Ten. You know, really soured a lot of Iowa fans, and and it's still pretty early in the year to get you know the, have that much angst. But I think what we what makes it worse is that those issues that we've seen over the years continue to be an issue. And, you know, that is, you know, defense, you know, on the road, not being competitive and, you know, giving up late leads late and stuff. So even though this team was ranked and even though this team, you know, is, is once against some major opponents, it still seem to struggle in those key areas. Now I would, I would say, you know, cause I've seen this over and over and over again, that you don't quite panic yet because, you know, the loss at Purdue, Purdue needed to win that game, too. and mm-hmm. They were at home, mm-hmm. and uh, it was Tyler Trent, you know, night yep. and what have you. I mean, it was an emotional situation, and they're a tough matchup for Iowa, and, and that place is very difficult to win. I mean, it's it's comparable to Hilton, in my opinion, as one of the more difficult places in the country. So, um, you know, that, that didn't surprise me that they got beaten and even blown out, but, uh the way that they came back and played a, you know against the top team this was one of the more important games of the season cuz yeah if they go on four um they're going to be in the doghouse with their fans first and then the season yeah, they're going to start pointing fingers, and that could get you know spiral down a, a dark path.
3: No, no, doubt about it. Scott Dockman from the Athletic. Doc, I want to bring up Jordan Bohannon, who had a big three right at the buzzer to end the first half, and then a couple of threes in the second half. Timing wise, couldn't have been bigger. Nebraska on both occasions seemed to be uh, making a little bit of a run here. Yet Bohannon, I think uh, maybe within five or maybe within four, whatever it was, made two huge threes uh, to really uh, you know. Stay that run and uh, and get Iowa moving forward again boy he was big at crucial times
4: yesterday you know I kind of wonder if that three right before the end of the half just kind of allowed him to relax a little maybe he's had a lot of pressure on himself and he puts it there because you know it's, it's you know I think shooting a basketball and hitting a baseball are are two of those skill sports that if you really can't get in a groove it's hard to you know unless you get yourself out of it by doing something and a lot of times that's you know an, an excuse me hit for a single or or a, a launching a three at the buzzer at the half and you make it and I think that kind of allows you to relax and then he just kind of went out and played ball and you know he's a really good shooter anyway so it's been kind of you know mystifying how he's struggled this year so I think it was really crucial for him to, to get off on the right track and then also as you mentioned you know the timing of some of those plays it's just you know I, I think you know th- this was a must-win situation but you know they've got two other important games this week at Northwestern and then Ohio State at the at the end of the week that I think can really you know help change the direction or the trajectory of this season and and what you know when you have a Jordan Bohannon who's able to hit shots and feel good about himself then I think that just makes Iowa more difficult out for especially for both those opponents.
1: Doc, we'll get you out of here on this uh, Isaiah Moss. I-, I talked about him at the top. He's doing so much more to the game. You know, that put back, the offensive rebound, double-double. He has had now eight consecutive games where he's had multiple assists in a game, a couple of four, a five, a six-assist game. These are things that we never saw before under Isaiah Moss. His development going forward, how big of an X factor can he be and maybe help this team get to the NCAA tournament?
4: You know, Iowa needs a player who could do something with the ball. Uh, besides just shoot it from the outside. And, and he's, you know, they, they've got, you know, Isaiah Moss is now in his fourth year with the program, three, is, you know, on the floor, and, and they need somebody like that. He's shown to be, you know, at times very, uh, you know, streaky. You know, I think it, you know Minnesota last year he was really good and, and then a couple of games earlier this year. And then other times he kind of disappears and kind of goes on the bench and nobody knows what's going on. So I think in this situation it's really vital for him to, able to do all those things and help his game rather than just score and I think it helps the team as well so I think if you could get him and and Macy Daly playing a little bit better defense on the in the backcourt I think this team has a chance to 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 win those 50-50 games and and so uh, you know a performance like what Isaiah was able to do yesterday getting a double-double for the first time in his career was really important for him. And it shows that there is growth, and you know, because at times you kind of wondered that about him—if he's just a just a streaky scorer and that's it. But you know, if he could develop his all-around game, that can really help Iowa moving forward.
3: All right, we have 20 seconds left, Doc. Who do you like tonight?
4: I got got to go with Bama. I mean, I, I just wonder—you know—what is Nick Saban going to do to, to try to confuse Trevor Lawrence? It might be tough. He's really good. Yes, but, he is. Um, yeah, I got to go with Bama. Good stuff. Thank you, Doc. We'll talk to you next Monday.
3: All right, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, appreciate Scott Dockerman for The Athletic. Highly recommend The Athletic. Check it out to Trent and I, both subscribers. You're what, 2 99 a month?
1: Yeah, I got in at a perfect price. I have
3: no idea. 4 dollars for me. Woo, That's all right, though. Well worth the money. It is. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Speaking of money, we're going to go to the desert. Who got the money this week? Did the properties get it? Or did the betters finally pick them off? We'll find out uh, the very latest on the championship game number. Wild card. Who won? Who lost? Divisional coming up. Jason Sybil, CG Technology. Miller and Condon. Till noon. It's 1460 KXNO. Sports radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, uh, with you for the next 40 minutes. We're here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon, talking sports with you and localizing as best as we possibly can. We're going to go to the desert momentarily off to Vegas. Jason Symbol, CG Technology. Bama Bob Trent and I, in about 15 minutes, we will take a uh, in depth look at the national championship game. want to tell you that portion of the program brought to us by our friends, uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller, Fuller Family Dental. A couple of locations, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines. They're also in Altoona, four ten eight Street, Southwest in Altoona. So if you're new to the area or if it's time that, uh, you know what, you're just not happy with your dentist, you're shopping for a new dentist, Dr. Stephen Fuller, my dentist, you can find him at 2822 East 29th Street, Des Moines, also located in Altoona. So if you're new to that part of Polk County, Altoona, four ten eight Street, Southwest in Altoona, uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller. Let's get Jason Sybil in here, shall we? As we head out to the desert, how'd they do this week? Did the betters win? Did the books win? The books normally do. Jason Tretton, Ken, good to reconnect with you again. How are you?
5: Yep. Happy New Year, guys. I'm doing well. Just kind of recovering from the weekend and looking forward to tonight's game.
3: Yeah, indeed. Well, we'll get to that number in a minute. Let's go back. Let's go starting on Saturday. I have to assume you needed the Colts, that the Colts were a pretty popular money line play, I would assume. Wild card game number one. Did the betters get you or did you guys win?
5: In that one, we did pretty good, but it was actually really, really great action on both teams. In fact, there was no scenario where we could lose in that game. That sounds crazy, but the the action was so even. You You know how they always say, if you get even action on both sides, the bookmakers will win the big? Well, that was that game. Now, they did bet the Colts' money line quite a bit, and the majority of the bets were on the Colts, but the big bets were on the Texans. Uh, which evened us out. So that game was really, really good. There was really no bad scenario. In fact, because we do so well to the Colts and our futures, uh, the right team for us won that game.
1: Mm. Game number two, Saturday night. You got a national brand in the Cowboys. I'm sure that it makes even more interest. So Sebastian Janikowski goes down. He's no longer available. They're, they're drop kicking. They're doing all kinds of different things with their incredible punter. But as they score the touchdown and then the decision comes to go for two. Describe the scene. Even if you weren't in the book, I know how you know how the book probably was, the decision to go for two there for Seattle.
5: Well, I was in the book, and I'm going to tell you <laughs> that. I'll just say this. Anything that could have went wrong in that game for the house went wrong, and in favor of the better, it went right. So there was just very, very happy, and I'm going to explain why. So we, were, we had so much action on the over, going both to Seattle and Dallas, every parlay, Seattle and over, Dallas and over that anything under we would have had a black number. So that 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 touchdown at the end when Seattle decided that they needed to go for the seven, when the, you know when they're down 10, you take the three quick and then you have to give yourself enough time to come back and score the touchdown, but since they had no field goal, they went for the garbage touchdown and got it to put the game over. Okay, so that was that was the negative number one. Then, of course, the only result that was bad for us was Dallas winning by exactly 2. Why is that? <laughs> because everybody laid two with Dallas and took two and a half. And, and then when we went to two and a half, they took the two and a half with Seattle. So if the game fell two, we could only lose. All the Seattle bets win, and all the Dallas bets push. And what, what happened? Seattle got the two, and they hit it. So not only did we lose the total, mm. but we had the literally worst-case scenario we could have for that game. And the book erupted in happiness, because everybody was kind of in that same spot. More people were happy with the over than the under. And that kind of got lost with the uh, the two-point thing, was the fact that that sent the game over.
3: Well, the good news is, you had a Sunday to get even, or to try and get some of that money back from the betters in the early game, was Chargers and the Ravens. And I have to assume that the Chargers were a pretty popular money line play
5: they were this was a pros versus joes game but this time it was the pros losing out to the joes so the public was on the chargers on the money line but we had a lot of big bets all we had um there was about four or five bets of over five figures on that game and every single one of them was on baltimore so that actually ended up putting us in a spot where we actually needed the chargers uh because the bigger bets were on the uh raven so even though the majority of the people who bet won money it actually turned out good for us um, you know, with the with the pros and the bigger bets falling.
1: Jason, before we get to the final game and the heartbreaker for me and Bears fans, all right, live wagering continues to build, and more and more people getting into live wagering. I'm sure this is not a prop you would do, in hindsight being 2020. but if your boss has said, right now, we need a prop, what is the odds that Parkey hits the upright <laughs> with this field goal, what would you have put it at?
5: Oh, my God. Well, if Parky hadn't hit a zillion uprights prior to this, I, I would have put it at, I don't know, 100-1. to 1. But because you just – I mean, I, you could just tell the way the game was unfolding mm-hmm. that it was just going to come down to his leg. Like, you could – when it was 15-10, I just looked at the guys in the, it, it, who I was watching with and I said, this is going to come down to a Parky field goal. You just kind of knew it. So. And you tweeted
3: it out, Jason, those very words.
5: Yeah, exactly. Like, you could just tell 20 minutes before it happened that it was going to come out to that. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a, an interesting topic there. But – uh you know that game was that, that was definitely a crazy game, and and you know I've I been there before as a, a heartbroken fan, so I could feel the feel the, the Bears fan.
1: To the game, Eagles win it. Was there much money line play on the Eagles here in Chicago? We actually
5: uh, we actually took a twenty thousand dollar bet on the Eagles money line. Oh. They were plus two fifteen at the time, so that one's forty. Uh, that that gets a forty three thousand dollar win. So that customer was happy. We took a we took a six figure bet on the Bears money line as well, but. Uh, so that customer obviously was not happy. But Ooh. the Bears uh, were such a popular play, uh, Bears minus six, plus the Bears in every teaser, tease down to pick, mm. and in every parlay, that we actually ended up needing the Eagles. However, what we needed was Eagles to cover and not win because there were a lot of you know Eagles money line plays, and that Eagles tickets are all at two to one or better. So that game was shaping up perfectly for the, for the books to get the Bears to win that game by one through five, which we had at fifteen ten, and then we thought we were gonna get after the field goal at the end, but ended up costing us uh getting the Bears knocked out.
3: So what kind of weekend was it that the betters, uh, I mean, you guys still won by the sounds of things, but it could have been better for the books, could have been worse?
5: Yeah, it was, I'd say, just pretty standard. You know, if you you look at kind of everybody's assumption of sports, it's always about, you know, the books end up winning about 5%, and that was exactly what happened this weekend.
1: Opening lines are out now for the divisional round. Jason, anything jumping out? People running to the uh, windows to get any of these lines? Playoff time, boy, it feels like you guys have these lines so tight.
5: Yeah, it does, and I think you know one of the things to to look at is Colts' money line seems to be a very popular play this week, Uh, and you can understand why. Mm -hmm. They looked looked excellent last week against Houston. They've been arguably the best team in the league the second half of the year, and you have Andrew Luck going against the Chiefs, and while they haven't had Mahomes, you know about the Chiefs' playoff struggles and Andy Reid's playoff struggles, so it doesn't surprise me that the public likes the Colts there. They're taking the points, and they're taking them more so on the money line 9-1 9-1 to one ticket count on the money line, the Colts are plus 200 there. So of these four games, that's what kind of what stands out to me the most pretty early on.
3: Which game will be the uh, most popular as far as which game will do the biggest handle, do you think, of the four?
5: Uh, I'm going to say it'll probably, it, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to guess Eagle Saints. Uh, I would say Cowboys-Rams a close second. But Eagle Saints, just because it's in that last time spot, um, you know, people are going to, everybody everybody who hasn't lost yet is going to bet it, and then everybody who lost in the previous three games is going to come back and bet it. So, just because it's in the last time spot, I think that will end up being uh, the the highest bet game.
3: Uh, National championship game tonight, by the way, before we run out of time, CG Technology at the Venetian Palazzo, the Cosmopolitan, Hard Rock, Palm Silverton, Tropicana, and Headquartered out at the M. What are you seeing on the game tonight? Will this do a lot of play, do you think?
5: Yeah, the handle's been really, really good so far. Again, remember, this is kind of a dead Monday in Vegas, so it doesn't do incredible numbers, but it be good. Uh, in terms of the game, Alabama's five and a half point favorite now. Uh, they've gotten the majority of the tickets on Alabama, but they're betting Clemson on the money line. No surprise in a college, in a, a championship game where they do that. So, in the best case scenario for us, Alabama wins by one through five. But if we had to root for one because there's so much Clemson money line action and we do better for Alabama in the futures, we're going to be on the Crimson Tide tonight.
1: Props. What do you have? Anything goofy or is it? You know, your standard score first touchdown, score a touchdown, those types of things for the national championship.
5: Yeah, we have we have some pretty, it's pretty standard. The one prop that people really, really love is the alternate point spread, Clemson minus three and a half. If you want to bet Clemson minus three and a half, it's plus 280. Ooh. A lot of people are choosing that route. So, um, you know, if Clemson ends up winning the game, especially if they win by over a field goal, it's not going to be great for us.
3: Last thing for you, Jason, who got knocked out this weekend as far as futures, the that- they'll really help you, and who's still alive that you're rooting against in the NFL?
5: There are three teams that we did bad to, and we lost two of them this weekend. The Seahawks were one of them, and the Bears were one of them. Um, the other team we need to knock out is the Cowboys. There's a negative number to them. In terms of the two best teams for us, it's the Chiefs and the Colts. And since they play each other, we're going to be live with one of the better teams for us. Uh, in general, we're rooting for the AFC over the NFC in the future.
3: Good stuff, Jason. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Jason Simbel, CG Technologies. We go inside the numbers with, with Jason Simbel. This this segment, we've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think there's a whole bunch of radio shows around the country that are going to be adding this segment to their sports talk. We got a little
1: jump start on things.
3: Yeah, I did. It's um, We will find out, I guess, whether that's going to – if I was going to be a player uh, here in the foreseeable future. And I got to think that uh, – <laughs> Some chatter, real quick. Though, I mean, don't you think right out of the shoot, this is going to be? I mean, I don't follow it closely. know I, no I don't either. Yeah. But I have to think that one of the big talking bills um, that gets dealt with and maybe creates as much talk as anything is sports wagering,
1: right? Yes, it brings a lot of different people into it. It brings guys like you and me that don't really care about politics. Right. This is something that is important to us, though. Legalize it. Get it done. Figure it out believe it'll happen we will take a timeout
3: Bama, Bob, Trent and I around college football next were you surprised at uh, uh, any of the results as far as Vegas getting crushed on the uh, Seattle-Dallas game I, I wouldn't I would have thought that that would have been the case I could certainly right. think that the Colts money line would have hurt them
1: yeah that, that was one that I, I think uh, I, I was surprised that they needed Chicago to win but not mm-hmm. cover mm-hmm. but the Eagles boy it's frustrating it's Nick Foles man I I told you. That's why I didn't like the Bears playing Week 17 against the Vikings. I didn't like it at the time. I was tepid all week about it, just because of that. And and look at the Eagles. What they had to do, the the wins they had to get to even get to this point,
3: and then needed help. We'll take a timeout. Bama's going to help us. Uh, Trent and I, Bama Bob, will take a long look at the national championship game tonight. I want to start with Bam when we come back. It's it's not a big talker, but it deserves a little bit of recognition. How About North Dakota State, yes, the beat goes on, right? I mean, that's a rem- that's a dynasty. Seven out of eight, that's a dynasty. I mean, Fargo, it doesn't North matter Dakota, what level. No, I agree with you, Trent. It doesn't. I mean, they're winning year after year after year, and it doesn't matter who the head coach is. No, and it probably won't again. A um, let's, let's, couple of minutes. Did you watch it? I did. A little
1: bit of it. Yeah, Not a, a ton.
3: I was going back and forth. Ohio State, Michigan State, mm-hmm. and the North Dakota State-Eastern Washington game. Where, you know that basket? That Big Ten tilt was pretty good.
1: It was. It was pretty entertaining. And what do you think of Fox using the old NBC uh, NBA music? Yeah, I, you know what? Um I didn't pick up on it. Twitter
3: alerted me okay. to it. Yeah, but um, yeah, pretty neat. I uh, will do uh Bama Bob, we come back. Trent and I uh, take you up until noon. Got to tell you, if it's uh, time to pay your bills and it's time right, now to pay your bills with 1460 KXO and EK Golf. Text the keyword taxi. Text the keyword taxi to 200, 200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's taxi to 200, 200. Message and data rates apply. Back with Baba Bob, Miller and Condon. Until noon, it is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. This is
0: 1460 KXNO.
3: come and take it till noon. Trent I messed up. What happened? I gave out the wrong keyword.
1: It's no longer taxi.
3: No, it's now ball. So, let me I'm going to do the whole thing over again. All right. All right. It's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EK Golf. Text the T word, the keyword, ball to 200, 200 right now for your chance to win $1000. That's ball to 200-200. My apologies. Speaking of ball, they're going to play a little ball tonight. Santa Clara Football National Championship ilk. Bama joins us as we take a long look at that. Bama, good to talk to you. you now, before we do that, um, I'm sure that if you had time, if you didn't have any you know, family commitments on Saturday, uh, you were locked and loaded. We spent some time watching uh, North Dakota State, and the beat goes on. Uh, Bama, that's a dynasty. It really and truly is. Seven out of eight. Uh, they're there seemingly year in and year out. To death taxes and the Bison uh, playing for another national championship, regardless of who the head coach is. That's a remarkable story, Bama.
2: Yeah, it really is. Um, like you said, seven out of eight. And you know, Ken, the thing to me is, you know, obviously they're known to the casual fan right now probably for Carson Wentz. I mean, you know, a lot of you know a lot of NFL fans, you know, quite frankly, aren't college fans, and they certainly aren't FDS fans. Uh, but they know who Carson Wentz was, and they know that he went to North Dakota State and the success he had with the Eagles, and and that kind of thing. And but you, you go back and you look at the record, and it is just astounding. And they've beaten you – know, you your area of the country, unfortunately, is quite familiar with them because they've knocked off Iowa, Iowa State, Minnesota uh, in the past. And, you know, the problem they're having is I looked out at their future schedules, and they don't have a lot of FCS or FBS teams on that schedule. I mean, Oregon in 2020, Arizona in 2022, and Colorado in 2024. That's it. So they, they're having a hard time getting – you know, games against FBS teams, Power Five in particular. And um, you know, it is what makes it more amazing to me is you go look at the roster and there's a few kids on it from Florida, which in and of itself stands out to me because listen, no offense to the great pe- to the you know, great people of Fargo, but I can't imagine it's any fun between now and about April <laughs> up there. In particular if you're from Tampa, Florida, which a lot of these players right. are in Lakeland. But you go look at that roster, and it's it's a you know it's stacked with Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, South Dakota, upper, South Dakota, a few in Iowa, Upper Midwest. You know, cold weather as you would expect, and it's not a big football factory. They have a couple of guys in the league, but it's not where you know you're just going to go and say, hey, you know, come up here and we'll get you into the league. It, it, it's just. It's just not that way. And so that, to me, makes it even more incredible what they're doing. Now, you know, an advantage that they have is the way the FCS playoff works is they get a lot of those games in Fargo and the, and the dome that they play in up there. They I don't think they had to play a road game this year uh, in the playoffs. They didn't. And not even last year. They're always the number one or the number two, and they generally get to host those games. So that is an advantage. Uh, championship game, neutral site in Frisco. But, you know, again, it. You start look at it seven out of eight years, and the margin of victory, who they play, um, they are just they are by far the standard uh, at that level, and it's amazing that they can do that uh, in a city you know like Fargo.
1: Bama, let's uh, take a look at tonight. Another national championship, a different kind of national championship. Why are people getting so frustrated that (laughs) Clemson and Alabama fans aren't traveling out there? I'm still watching. You're still watching. Why do people care about things like that?
2: Well, it's just a narrative. I think they're so tired of Alabama, for one. Uh, and then I think they're getting tired of Alabama Clemson. So, I mean, it's the fourth year in a row, third time that they're playing for the title. So they're, they're they're tired of that. There's all that fatigue. Unless you live in my area of the country or unless you're a true diehard college football fan, like two of them that I'm talking with now, um, people are tired of it. They just they want something new. They want something different. They don't like dynasty. They don't like uh, you know the same thing year in and year out. Now you know, I happen to like it for obvious reasons. But even if I didn't, if I weren't a fan, I how can you not like this game? The previous two that they played for the title have just been fantastic football games. I mean, right down to the end. Uh, the semifinal wasn't so great last year, but. So they're, they're trying to make a big deal out of it as being, you know, oh, everybody's tired of Alabama. They're certainly tired of the rematch and, you know, part four, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is it was just an idiotic decision to put this game in Santa Clara. About the only way it would have worked is if you got USC in. Um, you know, or because nobody else really, maybe Washington, but there's really no West Coast team that's really going to get there. You know, Texas would have brought some fans probably or Oklahoma would have maybe brought more, but. You know, I saw a thing a piece here online uh, that one of the local riders did, and he basically—and it was an average, okay. So there's no real way to quantify it, but he basically took up if you this, and this is just the playoff now. You know, the, the the since the playoff started, where you had the semifinal and the final game. If you're a fan and you lived in Birmingham, and you just did the average, you know, commute, whether it's a drive or a flight or whatever. An Alabama fan would have spent close to fifty thousand dollars the last four years just going to the eight playoff games. That's not counting SEC. That's not counting all your, you know, season tickets that they jack up and all that kind of stuff. That is just playoff games. So, it's really hard to blame them for not going out there, especially when you have you know four night minimums at five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a night, plane rides, traffic stinks. Um, all that kind of stuff. So you can't blame the fans, really, for not making a 3,000-mile trip, time off of work, all that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, maybe they'll – again, I've said it before. To me, this game should be played. you almost should play it in Dallas every year. Dallas, New Orleans, you know, one of those places, I mean, just where fans can get to. Uh, But I know they want to spread it out. Uh, hoping that they can generate more interest, but when they have a few empty seats tonight, I think it's going to be embarrassing. It will be interesting to see if ESPN hypes or you know mentions that during the broadcast. My guess is they will not.
3: Hmm. Bama, what's the key to this football game tonight? Uh, to, to, if you mean to me. I think it's disrupting and making Trevor Lawrence as uncomfortable as you possibly can. I think this is, it. honestly, Bama, I think these two teams are dead even. I mean, they're both 14 and 0. Both have playmakers. Um, I think Alabama may have more playmakers in the receiving core. Ruggs and Judy are terrific players. Um, yeah. boy, I, I I think it's dead even. In fact, I'm going to take the five, and if I was, I would take the five and a half points tonight. But if Alabama's going to win, how are they going to win? And the same question, if Clemson is going to win, how will they win?
2: Two things for Alabama. One is I think Dexter Lawrence being out is going to be huge. I mean, that is 340 pounds of immovable nasty right in the middle of that line. And I know his backup played well against Notre Dame. Uh, but this is a different animal. Alabama, one of the keys, everybody's overlooking Alabama's offensive line all year. I mean, that to me, we all get excited over Tua. We get excited over the receivers, as you mentioned, Rugs and, and Smith and Judy and Waddle and a great tight end, and Irv Smith and all the running backs, everything else. But that offensive line generally keeps Tua clean. And when they need to run, Ken, they can run. And you saw that against Georgia. Uh, you saw it really in, you know, in the semifinal against Oklahoma as things were kind of turning a little bit. They just turned around and they just, they mash you and they've got a great stable running back. So I think as good as Clemson's defensive front is, not having Lawrence in there is a huge advantage, no pun intended for Alabama. Um, the other thing is Sertan really struggled against Oklahoma and. I think the good thing is they've had nine, ten days to get ready for that. I don't, the, Alabama will scheme that up, but Lawrence is a different type of quarterback than, than Kyler Murray, obviously. He's the big prototypical passer, rocket arm. And as much, as, as, as much man-to-man press coverage as Alabama plays, if you can put it in a tight window, there are throws to be made. And that guy, so far to me, uh, has shown that he can make those kind of throws, and that could be a problem for Alabama, because as you mentioned, Clemson does have a lot of really good receivers. That said, I think Gallman's going to have to be big. They're going to have to run it some. I mean, they, I, I still go back to the fact that if you're just going to try to beat Alabama one-dimensionally by dropping back 35, 45 times, 50 times a game, eventually they're going to pick off a couple they are going to hit you. Uh, they're going to knock you out of the game or whatever. Uh, so I think you – I think you have to mix it up a little bit, but I'm with you. I think this game is I don't want to call it dead even. I would I would give Alabama the advantage. They've just been the best team all year. But there's two or three teams athletically all year that can match up with them. Georgia was one. They were you know, they got by that game thanks to Jalen Hurts. Oklahoma was another athletically, although not great on defense. Maybe Ohio State. And certainly Clemson. And is not going to have a fear factor. I know these are different quarterbacks, but a lot of these players have played them before multiple times. If you're a junior, this is, if you're a senior, this is, and my God,
1: well,
4: can Hunter Renfro please graduate? <laughs> really? He has to be a ninth-year senior.
1: Vama, yeah, that's great. That that was my next question. I mean, the first oh the first God. two meetings, he was unbelievable.
4: I'm
2: like, what is he? He's got a yeah. coach. There's no way this kid can still be playing, but he is.
1: Bam, um, it, it felt so, like they they schemed towards him last year in that semifinal game. Compared yeah. to what he did those first two years, do you see something happening again where they try to do a little bit something to keep Renfrew out of there? And you do that. The only problem is Justin Ross is running one on one down the field. Boy, he makes big plays for Clemson.
2: Yeah, that's the problem. I think last I think last year what helped them was Kelly Bryant just really not yeah. being a passer. I
5: mean,
1: yep.
2: You you looked at it the two years before and you had Sean Watson. And who's, you know, we, we know what he did in college. And even though he struggled yesterday with the Texans, and he's still an NFL quarterback, he's starting in the NFL. Uh, and this year, of course, you have Lawrence. Now, again, inexperience, I don't know. To me, that's probably almost a benefit to him. I just look at him, and he does not seem rattled. He seems unflappable. But I think you're right. I think they took away Renfro a little bit last year. I don't think you can do that this year. And he's a guy, you talk about Keith, I could see him coming up with some big, you know, third and 13, you know, third and nine catches uh, to, to extend drives. You know, you get in the you know, first and goal and you stack up the run and you're covering these big guys and, you know, out there, and all of a sudden here he comes in the slot and just, I mean, he's just a pest. But he's a great route runner. He's got great hands, uh, you know. So, to me, I think he's a guy that can have a big game tonight because they, I think they will try to prevent the deep plays. Uh, and here, here, here's, here he comes back again. I don't know how many touchdowns he has. Five, six against Alabama in these three <laughs> games. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But I think he's a guy that you got to watch out for uh, because it, if if Lawrence can put him on, he's going to catch it. I mean, he's he's got great hands. But uh, I I don't know. This it, to me, it's fun. I know everybody's tired of it. They'd like to see Ohio State and Texas or something like that. Or Maybe Oklahoma-Notre Dame would have been a a better game for them. But Mm. uh, to me, it just doesn't get much better than these just because of the athletes. And you're going to see so many players on the field tonight. first-round picks, Bama. First-round picks. I mean, Quentin Williams. I mean, that guy's probably going to go second, third overall unless something happens. And a lot of those Clemson defensive Mm -hmm. players, this is really a – it's almost like a G League game in the NBA, if you will, because so many of these guys – not only are they going to get drafted this year, Kim, they're going to go look you know, two years down the road. I saw something that you know, all the players that played in that first game or those first two games, I mean, I don't know, something like 35, 40 hmm. of those have gone on to the NFL, at least, at least had a shot in the NFL. I mean, it's just there's so much talent all over the place. It's crazy.
3: Raquan Davis, another one that's going to be drafted very highly next oh year. God. And how about Pierce Barker? I'll end on this, Bama. I mean, an Iowa kid – who uh, turned out an opportunity to stay in the state, went to Alabama. He's playing in his fourth straight national championship game. How about that? He might
2: have made the right decision. You think? (laughs) (laughs) No offense. Listen, Jonah Williams gets a lot of credit. He's going to be the first guy drafted off that line. But but Pierce Baker is one of those guys. You're right. When he came there from Iowa, they basically plugged him in as a starter, as a freshman. And he hasn't left the field since. And he's just one of those. They did a little feature on him down here uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, coming down from Iowa and why you know why he did and what the you know because I was known for offensive linemen. Let's face it. I mean, it seemed like he would have fit well in the Big Ten, and he would have probably gone on to the NFL. But uh, you know, for whatever reasons, and he, he was kind of coy about it. He really didn't say. But I mean, he goes basically. The overall theme was, listen. When I, if Alabama calls you, uh, you know you at least listen to him, mm-hmm. and uh, he did, and and it's worked out great for him. And he's going for his, you know, what third national championship ring he's got
3: two. He's got two Bama. Two uh, so. two okay. Any any update there? I mean, we saw him on the field against Oklahoma. He looked like Tua. I got to assume Everything's uh, good to go, right?
2: Yeah, everybody. From what everybody says, he's good to go. It's funny. He he keeps saying that everything's improving. It's improving. It's improving. It's improving. You listen to the trainers. He's 100 percent good to go. Uh, I don't think he's 100. percent I don't know if you saw the feature on that little uh, surgery they did on his ankle. I did not. Uh, that that was amazing. Uh, it's something that only al the, the Alabama team doctor. It, it's for a high ankle sprain. It's basically surgery, and he's patented it or whatever. He's the only one performing the operation because uh, most of the times you just have to let those heal, and they take seven. You know, they can take weeks and weeks and weeks. But this was an actual. Operation where they went in and stabilized that ligament to the bone um, right after the uh, SEC championship game, and I mean he he looks pretty good. So uh, they they may run that feature tonight, and if they do, you pay attention because it's uh, it's pretty amazing what they've done. But by yes, by all accounts, he's 100%. He looked really good against Oklahoma. They facing a better defense tonight, but uh, he he didn't want. He did not look like himself against Georgia, and he he totally was hurt. He looked much better against Oklahoma, and, and as far as I know from what everybody is saying, uh, he's
1: 100%. Bama, if Alabama does win this game and wins it by, say, a couple scores, it'll be, I think, considered the best Alabama team under Nick Saban at sure. 15-0. and Where would it fall in the pantheon of great college teams ever?
2: I think you'd have to be up there. I mean, you know, 95 Nebraska to me is one. Uh, one of those great, I can't remember the exact year, uh, 87, 88 Miami, one of those great teams.
3: Even uh, 2000 that, Miami with, was it 2000 or 2001 with all those first round picks?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sean Taylor and those guys. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, this was the Jerome Brown team that I was thinking about down there, you know, back when it was still, uh, you know, convicts, if you will, uh, against Catholics. But, um, They have to be there just because of the dominance early. And then you look at the schedule, you know, the last five or six games, you're talking about LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson. I mean, that's a pretty good gauntlet if you're going to get through all of that. I mean, that's better than anybody would have done. They beat up early on a lot of young, young inexperienced teams and just kind of blew them out. But really ever since they've come back from the bye week, uh, you know, winning at LSU, shutting them out. We saw what they did against UCF with the LSU team. Auburn saw what they did against Purdue. Um, you know, Mississippi State, you saw them against Iowa. Good team, big physical front. Georgia we know about, probably should have been a playoff team. Uh, you can make that argument if you want. And then Oklahoma with the Heisman Trophy winner and, and the highest scoring offense in the country, what they did last week. And so now you, now you got Clemson, so – I don't know if they can finish it. I really don't. and Because you look at it in those last – that's six out of seven weeks. You throw the Citadel in there. And, I mean, my goodness, that, that is a gauntlet. And if if they get through that coupled with how dominant they were, they got to be in consideration for the best ever, in my opinion. Uh, you know, top three, top four, certainly. Nobody's ever gone 15-0. Somebody's going to go 15-0 tonight. Could be Clemson. Uh, but if it's Alabama, I think you're gonna you're gonna start talking about them. And plus, it would be seven 7th, seven, which would put him ahead of Bear Bryant as crazy as that sounds. Uh, it would be six and ten years. Nobody's ever done that. Uh, so yeah, you would you would have to start talking about not only the greatest dynasty the sports team, but you know, fifteen and zero against a lot of great teams.
3: know, uh, yeah, you have to put them in the conversation. Good stuff, Bama. We'll recap it tomorrow. Okay. Can't wait, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Enjoy the football game, Baba Bob. Going uh, with an in-depth look at tonight's championship game. Now scheduled for seven. Is that accurate? That's not tuned in at seven. We'll kick at seven thirty. Is it? Probably. Right. right? Uh, I think they're going to go early.
1: Not early. Right at 7
3: Why I'm not sure. Right seven at seven o five. Yeah, I hope so. It's, uh, gets it over at 10.30, 11.30 in the East. Not that we care about the people who no, stay all. up there. But, uh, um, yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, I came in today, Trent,
1: thinking Clemson. Yeah. Still thinking Clemson. I like what Jason Simble told us. In regards to? Lay the three and a half and get plus. Oh, yeah, plus that. Yeah, that plus yeah, 230. That, uh,
3: with that prop that they've got out there, right? Um, boy, oh, boy. There's so many playmakers on both sides
1: of the football. Both sides of the football. Etienne for
3: Clemson, He can run the New ball, America. yeah. He needs, he needs to have a big game. They can't rely on Trevor Lawrence just dropping back and throwing. Right. Etienne needs to run the football. Easier said than done against Alabama. Those are the two best teams. Yes. The two best teams. There's That's a best. huge gap. It's massive. How bad is this for college football? It's not. It's not? I don't think it is. I mean, these are the two best teams. Now, we. I hope somebody gets better. Um, maybe Fields will make that difference at Ohio State. A couple of years from now, Nebraska will be in this thing. They're 12-1. You didn't even hear that, did you? Uh, <laughs> you didn't even hear what I said, did you?
1: Fields? No. At Ohio State? No, said uh, In a couple of years, Nebraska will be in this thing. Oh, jeez. Um, oh. Have you been talking to Sip again? Yeah, I have. He's coming on
3: this week. And that's not oh, what we were talking boy. about. That's that's not what it was about. And I was I was being your, facetious. Your obviously. guys is
1: Nebraska love. There was no, no, uh, no M- bounds.
3: Murph and Andy at two. The Fanatics are at G-Migs today uh, in Valley Junction. Uh, and then, of course, the morning rush. will recap the game tomorrow morning before Trent and I have a go at it tomorrow with 10. Colin Coward's coming up. Next local programming comes your way in just two mere hours. Murph and Andy and then the Fanatics. Trent and I are glad to be here with you on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Zubin Mahente from ESPN uh, leads the guest list tomorrow. Hope you can join us. If you missed it, you can listen to the podcast. KXNO.com Talk to you tomorrow.
0: Ah, Hour two in L.A. this the Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Live in Los Angeles, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Very excited. In less than 15 minutes, Trent Dilfer stops by. He'll be magnificent today on all we saw this weekend. Uh, Joy Taylor is joining me. This is this is such a great time. I feel very lucky. You know, not everybody gets to do what they always wanted to do in life. And this is what I always wanted to do in life, and which is talk sports. But to be able to talk sports about my favorite sport. By the way, the ratings this weekend were gigantic. All great games. Because the games were great. Even the Indianapolis-Houston game got a little interesting in the final seven, eight minutes. But this is such an amazing sport, amazing time of the year. We had controversial calls. Good Lord, that Chargers replay. Touchdown, no touchdowns. Like, guy, I know.
1: <laughs> it was a little frustrating. Oh,
0: that was just – listen, it's – it's uh, the replay system, I'll say this, it's a lot better today than five, ten years ago. I can remember watching it when it first came into college football. It was a mess. All right, every Monday throughout the course of the year at this time, Colin was right, Colin was wrong, and here we go. Where Colin was right? Well, I not only went 4-0 and on the playoff games. What was really funny is I brought three guests on my show Friday. <laughs> and of the 12 picks, they disagreed with 11. I'll give you a sample. And these are three guests I love. I love these guys. Across the board, they disagreed with virtually every pick I made. Here's a sample. Nope, you're done. You like Seattle. you done. I like Seattle. Slareth likes them. You like them. I'm leaning towards the Texans, and here's why. Nobody who's played in the
2: Super Bowl has played in a road game since 2012.
0: There's going to be an upset this week. I'll roll the dice and say Philadelphia shocks the world.
2: Really? Yeah. So you and I are diametrically opposed on every pick.
0: <laughs> here's how it worked out. And by the way, they all made really good arguments for their team Sometimes you get lucky. This week I got lucky 4 0. Where Colin was wrong. If Nick Foles beats the Saints in New Orleans, I'm bringing a white flag to the show and just waving it. I surrender. I give up. I I can't, I mean, it's just incredible. The kid is loose. He made some terrible throws. Now, I have said, I, I pick Philadelphia about a month left in the regular season to make the playoffs. I love their GM. Uh, I think they have a really good roster. Their secondary is beat up, but there's a lot to like about this team. Playoff experience, um, but Nick Foles is remarkable. I watched him in college. He wasn't the best college quarterback in his own conference. He's Every source I've ever had has said he's a really, really, really high-end backup. But he is now 4-0 in the playoffs, 10-2 and as a starter in Philadelphia. And I, the thing I like about him, in these late-game situations... He is completely composed. He is not rattled in the least. And I almost think that's sort of a DNA thing. Either you're anxious or you're not anxious. I mean, he, he made all the plays on that last drive. There is Carson Wentz could not have been any better on that last drive. You can't even deny that
3: where Colin was right.
0: The rest of the world was freaking out after that Monday night game between the Rams and the Chiefs. Oh, there's too much offense. It looks like Canadian football. It's the Big 12. I said, take a deep breath. Wait until late December and early January. The weather's going to change. Defenses will figure it out. Some of the offensive players will get hurt. Folks, you've been watching football for four months. I've been watching it for four decades. This is the way it always works. Offenses look great the first eight weeks. Then guys get hurt. The guys getting tackled, offensive players, get hurt. And then the backups aren't as good. And defensive coaches figure out offensive schemes like Baltimore. And then the weather gets really surly and the offenses come back down to earth. Only Dallas, with 24 points, hit their season average this weekend. Half the teams didn't score 20 points this weekend. Six of the eight teams this weekend didn't score a touchdown in the first half. This is why you keep tweaking the rules to help offense. Because over the course of a season, it gets really, really hard to score in the NFL. Where Colin was wrong. There has never been an NBA team that I have missed more than the Minnesota Timberwolves. They fired their coach, Tom Thibodeau. I've been telling you for three years, you just wait. Oh, you just wait. Carl Anthony Towns, well, now he's regressed. Andrew Wiggins, invisible. I mean, I I have been waiting for the Minnesota Timberwolves to pop for three years, and it